Hi, and welcome to the Red Tunic Podcast, a podcast where I look to rediscover what makes gaming fun and enjoyable by having positive conversations with those related to the industry. My name is Link, and today I'm joined by Henry Faber, founder and community manager of Gamma Space, a non-profit co-working space for those working in and with video games. Hi, Henry. How are you doing today? Not bad. Thanks, Link. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's my uh, pleasure to be here. No, and you know, th- thank you so much for joining me. Very, you know, very happy to have you here. So, you know, the pleasure is all mine. Uh, no, I noticed. Oh, I was gonna say, I noticed how you started. You uh, you mentioned that we have a co-working space, and that's where I'm. You know, I'm from. But I might dive right in unless you want to have a, start asking the question. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh no, no, that's perfectly fine. You kind of beat me to it. I was actually mm-hmm. about to um ask you to. Uh, maybe introduce yourself or tell tell everyone a little bit about yourself and about Gamma Space for you know for those that might not be aware. Yeah, no, it's uh, I'm really excited to do this, and I guess you can tell by me wanting to jump in that I'm always eager to talk about uh, what I do at Gamma Space and more importantly with the community that I'm engaged with. But uh, Gamma Space did indeed start as a um, co-working space ten years ago uh, for independent game developers. And during that time, it was uh, really well-connected and really getting a sense of just how diverse and remarkably talented the independent game development scene in Toronto uh, was. Uh, The co-working space itself was actually not set up for game makers initially. Um, My wife and I had moved from Vancouver, back from Vancouver to Toronto. I was born here and had lived here for many years. But uh, when we came back, we were doing web application development work and a lot of digital project management and that sort of thing. And we decided we didn't want to work out of our home anymore, so we would start a co-working space and bring like-minded people in. And when we did that, we um, basically set out feelers to different types of uh, events and tech things and startups and activities that were going along. And one of them was the uh, little game jam. And... uh, we just decided to check it out and they, they the response was so like uh, like sort of like positive and overwhelming to like uh, having a potential space where indie game makers could come in and work on stuff uh, that we our core membership started out there. Uh, it was also at that time um, my partner uh, uh, co-founded Dames Making Games out of the space. And uh, that just set this tone of not just incredible artistic and technical uh, talent, but also uh, a remarkable culture of inclusivity and diversity that sort of like has permeated into every aspect of my life ever since um, and has got me to really, you know, reevaluate how I do things, um, to uh, be as supportive as possible to those who've been marginalized for tech spaces and really push um, to give everything I have to give opportunities to people who just just wouldn't normally have it. Um, oh, yeah. So go ahead. Oh, no, no. I, I didn't mean to cut you off there. So please continue if there was a... You know. Well, yeah, I, I guess what I was going to sort of go into, of course, like, even though we had this space and we did, we did that and we did, like, you know, hundreds of events and hosted uh, Bit Bazaar, which was like a indie game making uh, maker slash arcade slash craft fair, indie comics kind of thing. Uh, and we did just so many different partnerships with different companies, and studios, and just tons of events. 
the pandemic put it you know put an end to that not only from the perspective of like you know killing a lot of in-person events but also um killing the space that uh, gamma space actually became part of i also became a president of the toronto media arts center which was a forty thousand square foot facility in toronto's queen west um and it was a home to media arts basically of like all types and so even video games uh would shoulder rub shoulder to shoulder with filmmakers and pro uh, projection artists and people who make installations and that sort of thing and so it was an amazing cross-pollination of ideas. Uh, but to do that, we had to hold the city of Toronto accountable for fulfilling their deal of actually giving TMAC the space as uh, we had an agreement with them back in 2012. And um, it's basically just became a massive, it, it, like the city just did not want uh, to be accountable for this specialized space. They basically changed their mind. They used it to ensure that the developers got you know, their density bonus to increase the number of floors in the building uh, for condos and to sell that. Then the, you know, then the developer went bankrupt and then it became a target to the bankruptcy trustees to like take the whole thing while we were still in it. It was, it was a nightmare, right? Like just an absolute nightmare. But, uh, you know, we couldn't fight to hold on to it and raise money for it while, you know, the pandemic was going on. And so we kind of lost our opportunities. So now we're not a physical space. We're a pretty a tight knit online community, and when I say tight knit, and when I talk about membership, it's not that we're like so exclusive that nobody can come in, um, but it is one that is focused on um, people that are you know artists and professionals in game development. And while we do talk about games and play games and that sort of thing, we're not uh, you know a space for gamers, <laughs> you know. Um, and that is, uh, that's like a big distinction, but, uh, something really amazing happened, uh, last year, um, over the last 10 months, basically. And that is, we saw all the hardships that were happening to people under COVID. We saw people losing jobs and like experiencing homelessness and unsafe living conditions. We saw all sorts of horrible stuff. And we also saw tons of, uh, toxicity really becoming uh coming to the fore it was always known whispered in the industry but it was really coming to the fore in large AAA studios and the not so large AAA studios and everyone wanted something different and so that's when we started developing collectively and this hasn't been publicly announced so you're you're getting a little bit about this ahead of time uh into a uh node-based co-op and what that basically means is that uh, we have three sort of nodes that the community can interact with. There's a community node that's like for enthusiasts. There's a professional node for people who are running their own studios or are practicing artists. And then there's the Heidi's node, which is the management of the node and, and um, uh, they manage the entire thing, but also manage digital projects. And we've been developing this um, dozens of uh, Gamma Space members over the last 10 months. And it's really exciting because uh, we've been able to help each other out, find work for each other, support each other in some really meaningful ways, and develop what we call uh, like a value that helps people understand the impact of their contributions to the community. Uh, invisible work that community organizers do that is often not really credited or like seen as important gets tracked as well. 
and also work livelihood work comes in here um and the ability to barter with people through you know out of love and care for people that want to share and exchange services with each other so we've been pioneering this entire system to do this and we've taken on several projects over the summer we're working internally on many projects and we've got a whole lot more coming up uh this year including announcing this formally so what this basically means is is that we take all the values of like inclusivity and safety and care and apply them not just on a uh, per person per project level but as a sort of a real community um, driven like set of values right um, and something that is really expressed in a way that allows people to feel comfortable to explore their things and have that kind of support when things are kind of uncertain right now So, I don't, I apologize. This is totally on me. It's 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 uh, everything you said that that sounds absolutely wonderful. From from well, high level sounds absolutely wonderful. You know, losing the space and 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 that obviously mm -hmm. is is not wonderful. Um, so you know, my my sympathies for for getting yanked around by that one. Um, you know, it's it's. It's never Thank fun you. to effectively lose your your home like that. If I might may refer to it as your home, and I imagine oh, it was. We spent a lot of time there. <laughs> it's a lot yeah, of time. Exactly, and you know, I based on everything you had said, that that doesn't shock me. I don't think that should shock anyone really, because you sound very passionate about you know what you were trying to do or what you were doing, not trying to do what you were successfully doing. Um, and you know, I imagine many of the members found it, uh, you know, considered it a home as well, because you know. Um, despite all of the other nonsense that is going on in the industry right now, um, you know, inclusivity has always been something that's important for, for, for gaming or should be something that's important. You know, there's no reason to, 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 to play the game of, you know, gates closed or, or, or what have you and, you know, gatekeep anything related about, in, in, you know, gaming and, and the art space, um, mm -hmm you know, uh, it's in general. Um, so, you know, I, I can imagine it was a very, uh, hard thing to, to go through or have to go through, uh, for a myriad of reasons, but it sounds like, uh, you guys have a path forward and it sounds like you're making best with what you've been, you know, what you have, what you can still do. And that sounds absolutely fantastic that, um, it sounds like you you're 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 having success and you're still able to to work forward uh, only because you know i know that there are maybe not the exact same but there are other you know um uh, other nonprofits or other groups or what have you that in the face of this they might have you know folded and i'm not saying that in a way to to talk down or against no you know, no it's what the fact you. i mean I mean, it's important to note, like, especially like we're lucky in Ontario, specifically in Canada, there are options for like, if you want to make video games as part of your artistic practice as a professional, there are grants and things uh, available. And on the professional side, there's tax credits and like things like uh, bodies like Ontario creates that can provide ma uh, matching funding and, you know, all sorts of stuff that can make this stuff a lot easier to deal with. But at the end of the day, um, you're, if you're looking at it from an arts perspective and arts orgs and things, they're fighting for scraps. We're fighting for scraps with each other, competing with each other, which is really unfortunate. 
all trying to figure out how to get you know the same envelopes of funding and sort of thing. So whenever you can go beyond that and think of different ways to create that sustainability, whether it is through the security and safety of the community members themselves or projects that they do, like it really makes a huge difference um, and can really help move things along. And a lot of orgs who've been kind of struggling before the pandemic, uh, they don't necessarily, like they didn't fare much better. And honestly, we're on a shoestring. We have very few expenses um, because we don't have a space to maintain. We don't have any staff. Um, even when we were running, um, everything was all volunteer, you know? Um, so, you know, I didn't take a paycheck from Gamma Space. Uh, that's not to say, by the way, that not-for-profits can't make money. We can generate money. And we the idea is that the value of the not-for-profit doesn't increase. And what we do is put it all back into the community. So if we do make money, it goes to paying for workshops or paying for converting some of that like um, work that people did on a, to support the community and that we're tracking. We can give them like a little dividend, you know, in cash, like at the end of the year or something like that or sooner. The idea is to have enough money flowing here that we can pay people all the time just for their efforts of maintaining, uh, you know, a strong community with strong goals and strong uh, projects. And you know that that all makes a lot of sense. And you know, I I agree that it's it is a very difficult place to have to. So I'm trying to pick, uh, choose my words properly here, just because they need to be. Um, but it's a very difficult place to, you know, as you said, fighting for scraps and have to look at potentially another community or another organization that, you know, you you fully support and believe in and stand behind the same thing that they're trying to do, but have to look at them and say, yeah, but I'm going to take it for ourselves. And I don't mean that you know, you do that in like a, you know, negative way. No, no, it's, I, just... it's the fact, though. And, and like, and like, unfortunately, like stuff you know stuff happens all the time you know that is regrettable in that side of things and you know why we've been quiet about what we're doing isn't to be sort of insular and or like keep people in the dark from it you know it's more like we knew that the members who've been here first who've been around need to make you know needed to help make the thing that they wanted to be in right um and then once we do that we open doors we know we're pretty sure it's gonna be a lot of you know, um, just like there is in all the things we do, because the people behind the work we do, all the community members are, you know, really passionate and really care. And that attracts a lot of people, you know. Um, but at the end of the day, though, uh, yeah, it can be rethinking the scarcity mindset, rethinking who has to be the first or the best, rethinking who's doing something you know, that no one else is doing and how can we be open and sharing all of our processes that we're developing, for example, they will be freely available to anyone once we release them, right? Our value flow accounting system, our, um, there, there is some technology being made around that as well. Um, all of these things will eventually be free to anyone. Um, in a perfect world, maybe there's a way to create nodes within our structure that supports them. Uh, in a, still ideal world they create their own structures and we cooperate together and share things you know and create resource sharing networks which was the entire point of like the tmac the toronto media arts center and really everything i do um i find it impossible to work 
uh, in traditional sort of capitalist work stuff. I've tried. I, uh, I took my first job since 1999 at the uh, beginning of last year for a few months and uh, it literally lasted a few months. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't do it uh, because I don't believe in exploiting people uh, or communities to get their data, you know, to increase the profit or, you know, repay some investors for a corporate project. I, I can't, can't do it. You know, um, I find it upsetting and I find it like any exploitive or extractive process right now, especially during the pandemic feels like very wrong. You know, it's wrong period, but it feels like especially you know, to me. Um, and so really had to rethink that, but you know, I didn't know what to do. I personally make money by working with the people that I met within the community. And I ended up becoming a digital project manager or producer. You know, we produced some of the first Nintendo switch games that made it onto the platform, uh, when it launched, uh, PlayStation, uh, Oculus, uh, sorry, meta, <laughs> uh, yeah. <clears throat> MetaQuest, uh, you know, uh, HTC stuff, um, Xbox, you know, our community. I've been involved with so many games from our community, some that I've touched a little bit, others that I've, like, you know, pushed over the finish line or found funding for. Um, I believe really strongly in supporting projects and supporting creators that are doing creating you know, equitable working situations for themselves and for others. So, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I, I said it earlier and, you know, I, again, I, you know, what you're doing, I think is fantastic. And I, you know, think it, it's great. And, you know, it's a, a, a great way to move forward and, and such. Um, there isn't really much to add to that. You know, it's, it's fantastic to hear that, you know, you're, I'm trying to think of the right words again that you are, you know, trying to morally and ethically support good companies or good projects. Yeah, good, good projects and practices, you know, Thank you. And, That's the and, and really like, like amplify those values. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, with that in mind, and since we're kind of on the topic of it, and, you know, some of this might've already been covered or touched about, uh, touched on, but you know, as, you know, working with Gamma Space and as someone um, for the Toronto Media Arts Centre and, you know, all of that, I imagine that you have a very different or um, unique view into the community development of the Toronto um, gaming scene and such. You know, what's, what's that looking like now with the pandemic? Like, has, is, is it still doing good or is it, you know, is it, how how's it going is really the i think the easiest yeah. way to put it i mean the thing about the toronto sort of quote unquote scene is that it's vast and it's also heavily fractured and a lot of like orgs and people in the over the last decade have tried to um you know unite it and like speak for it and all that kind of stuff and it's something i don't really uh in <laughs> because the diversity is its strength and it allowed allows all sorts of wild things to happen right and if people can find community pockets that would support each other i think that's fantastic and seriously i'd say back up until about 2018 um i i mean i would say that you know gamma space had game members putting out games that 
always appeared in the IGF. There was always at least or uh, or honorable mention, you know, for a game. You know, um, you know, memorable ones include like Christine Love uh, with um, Lady Killer in a Bind. You know, got best uh, writing uh, at the IGFs a, a couple of years ago, right? Um, a few years ago now, and you know that was just like a hugely it's just exciting to give you the kind of like caliber and interest of people that are doing uh, work in the community. And so you would see this when you're running events coming in or bit bizarre, you would see all these things from all over the province and truck city and people coming in and sharing work. And it just sparks so much lively stuff. But I will say that uh, without spaces and events, uh, it has taken a toll. Um, now everything's online and I love the accessibility of that especially like when people put accessible uh, accessibility kind of features into those things be like um, you know sign language and uh, interpretation uh, or like you know having subtitles for videos or text transcripts available you know all that kind of stuff right is you know if you're like a, a parent or someone in a different time zone where you can't maybe like make the same hourly commitment or whatever but like it's available on demand all this stuff is wonderful you know uh, but we're also seeing that everyone is seeing each other's all the time from everywhere it's constantly right so what i think is is that toronto all of a sudden has more competition than it ever had you know um in some ways and i don't mean that in like a competition best quality but just like the standard and quality of work in games across the board right now is redonkulous it is unbelievable what is being produced, you know, um, or coming to light or things like that. Um, and there's no magic one place, I think, that, you know, you used to be able to point on a map to certain places that were doing, like, like the best work or the most consistently innovative, interesting, let's talk about it, work. And I don't think that's as simple to do anymore, um, for better or worse, you know? I mean, I think people who play games, people who appreciate the artistry of creating games, lucky right now right like they're embarrassed for choices right like it's not just the, the backlog that you have it's just like there's just everything else coming constantly right and such interesting stuff um there's something we, we were going to talk about we had talked earlier about about um you know what is uh my favorite trend over the last few years you know uh you know games and the opportunities for underrepresented creators to tell stories and simply just make something they want to make and have it be potentially not just seen by people, but even successful is incredible to me. You know, um, I had an opportunity back in was it 2018 or 17. I, I went to Iran. I went to the Tehran video game uh, conference. I was invited to that. And they flew me in, and it was wild the hoops I had to do to get the uh, the papers to come into the you know to, to the country and stuff like that. And that scene that was doing stuff, that scene that was like making games there, was so different from anything I experienced in North America or Asia. Uh, it was it was wild what I saw and who I talked to. And how I had the opportunity to, you know, to meet during that time. And um, in some ways, there are the, you know, the, the, the ability to 
create program and make the art was like far exceeded anything I had seen in, in local community stuff here in Toronto. But the sophistication of the games themselves were driven by totally different factors that made them not always uh, fun or even interesting. <laughs> but the passion and the perspective in there, like, was so exciting, right? You know, um, and and now I'm seeing some of those people, um, you know, unfortunately, because of the state of U.S. politics and stuff, I, you know, it's very hard to communicate regularly with people in Iran in a, even in Canada, like in a realistic way, in a safe way. Um, but, you know, the people that I do felt like, like now, you know, they've, that experience opened them up to opportunities around the world. And now they're doing stuff that takes what they know and what they, that we think we know, you know, and putting those together and you're seeing some really cool stuff, really cool work. Uh, and I think that like this sort of openness and the fact that you can access anyone and, you know, I say that with a real grain of salt, right? Like it's still difficult to be heard in a noisy room, right? With like thousands, millions of people in it, right? So I totally get that. But the possibility is there. And, if, you know, facilitating those kind of conversations and communication uh, allows cool stuff like that to happen and these opportunities and funds to come out and publishers and sub-communities and, you know, places like also I hope the gamma space that feels attractive to people to feel safe and create and get extra support and mentorship from, you know, people who've been around a little bit like myself or totally new people that are like them, you know, um, in terms of levels of experience. So I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I guess the short answer is, is that I think Toronto has a lot to be proud of, proud about and has home, is home to many cool things and many great people. Um, but I think the vibe that made Toronto like super special is very different now. So thank you for, for that, you know, uh, thank you for that. Um, you know, I, in terms of, you know, as you said, I don't know, you don't know if you answered the question. I think you answered it and touched on so many other things, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, it's always great to hear, uh, a view from, you know, a view to a scene that I personally wouldn't be uh, aware of or really, um, following, um, just by sheer not having the exposure to it. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's it's great to hear that, you know, that your your view on the trend is, you know, a, is unique and I think is a very valid approach, uh, view on it. Um, just because it's, it's, because you're, you're right. Like just, you know, the, 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 as you said, like the vibe that was there evolves and, you know, uh, the, the more voices in, you know, in, in the noisy room or what have you, but I think being exposed to different things and like not in a form of competition. I want to be clear on that. You know, not mm. not that you have to feel that you're competing with anyone, but you know, hearing someone else's voice, hearing what they're doing and inspiring them and such, that I don't think is a negative thing at all because mm. you know, we get you know, you get diversity and the more diverse something becomes, or sorry, let me rephrase that. Uh, the more exposure you have to that diversity, the more it becomes, in a way, normalized to you and gives you a new way to think or a new way to understand. Um, you know, 
uh, I forget the I forget his name right now. He's um a a, a rather famous chef. Um, uh, he like the Momofuku Milk Bar. Um, David. Oh, uh, Chang, I think. Yeah. Um, he he has a quote that I absolutely love, and I think it's easily to trans like very easy to steal this quote and transfer it. But he was basically when he was like trying to interview and talk with a bunch of people around the states, he was saying he feels that food is the major connector like it's something that you can share in and you can take from and modify and you'll learn more about someone and you know all of that and i i kind of see you know video games in a lot of ways because everyone sort of approaches games whether they're playing them developing them enjoying them what have you uh, their own way and being able to see you know high level just all of the little different communities kind of making their own version of it and seeing being able to be exposed to that you know aside from cross-pollinating in terms of you know uh, oh that's a great idea i want to play if it experiment it with it but you're also getting an eye into the that person where they're from you know kind of like you said it's an entirely different scene but uh you know with that exposure other people might see stuff that they're doing and think oh wow this person i want this person you want to you know i want to work with them yeah. i want to meet them what have you right and i think i absolutely love that that is your view kind of on like the the, the your favorite trend you know the accessibility and the the cross-pollination and such um if i understood correctly and i you know yeah well those opportunities and i mean like from a both like you know platform and like sort of appetite interest but i also mean literally for like you know uh black people of color indigenous folks to have a chance to like you know um potentially more than they could it's still a huge i you know me saying this by the way is the caveat is is that it's far from perfect yet you know but it is much more there are you know much more in uh likely to hit like um you know core audience kind of gamers you know at an award show or something like that you know you're gonna see stuff like that more uh because it is being uh championed by the industry or by individuals i mean again not as much as it should be but i don't want to like rose colored glasses this you know but like i can see the trend is upward and i guess when i also like feel excited about it because i see that the you know the community that i'm part of um does you know they push for that and so to me uh it's a wonderful thing exactly and you know like i i mentioned earlier and i'll i'll, I'll kind of re-harp that or hit that drum but i i think having inclusivity in in the industry or in the the sphere or what have you is is a fantastic thing because you know uh, you you give a voice to people that otherwise felt they had no voice or you give someone that feel they were underrepresented a chance to actually enjoy something that might represent them better um mm -hmm. you know uh, i'll use uh for example, Red Dead Redemption 2, you know, that's not a perfect example. It's just one that I can easily go to. I know someone that they are um, Aboriginal uh, and they, in playing the parts of Red Dead where you were doing uh, respectful, I guess is the easiest way to put it, honorable things, I guess you'd say, with the... Um, I don't know the right word for in the States. I'm just going to go with native. Um, but with the native Americans that spoke to them in a very different way 
because there isn't a lot of representation in video games for Aboriginal or, or Native American or, or what have you. And being able to experience that in a way that's not um, disrespectful is, you know, uh, like, kind of like you said, an upward trend, you know, all things mm. considered for a Western game or what have you. Um, or Wild West kind of game, sorry, is what I meant there. Um, <laughs> yeah. I had that in air quotes, but... Um, yeah, yeah. I couldn't see those air quotes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why I mentioned it. Um, but, you know, like, it's just inc inclusivity, because, you know, it lets... I, I, I firmly believe it is where I'm trying to go, and, you know, giving people the yeah. ability to, to see things that will mean something more to them than it might mean to someone else. And that's not a bad thing some people think it is whatever those people don't care but yeah. what i'm meaning is you know it's 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 fantastic that that is a trend and you know spaces allow that and you get to see and experience that and other people get to feel safer by having something that relates and feels home to them you know yeah and i i think the trick is to push that even further right and that is like who's making the games who has the opportunities you know it shouldn't just because um, a large company with like infinite resources, you know, feels like they've been pushed into some uh, diversity and inclusion mandate, you know, just to like include something, you know, uh, and do that. I'm talking about ensuring that like teams are like equitable, like have members, um, you know, and not only just in any game and that they're given those opportunities you know as well um and that they're uh, given the ability to um you know make lead studios and develop projects like as they see fit um this stuff is equally sort of important in there which is why i i really looked at the indies and all the work they're doing but you know in all fairness they're doing the hard work so that the you know the triple a people you know, often just sort of cherry pick the ideas that they want and that they feel comfortable with, you know? Um, and I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing, but it's like, it's always the people that are underrepresented and who have been marginalized that do all this work. Right. It's not like, because rockstar like is so brilliant and suddenly like, you know, their whole leadership and investors like, achieve like this realization that they should game like uh you know uh indigenous and american indians you know fo folks in the game that maybe they like, actual you know uh indigenous actors you know or voice actors or maybe get a consultant you know to actually manage these things i mean that stuff is kind of like the bare minimum you know in my perspective right if you're gonna like do something like that and unfortunately the rest of it isn't always addressed and like not that i'm trying to be a downer or anything <laughs> but like i'm saying like like it's important to recognize that it's just about like hey we're learning something new about another culture isn't that and then you forget about it but like integrated into the experience of actually the game or or acknowledging that you know the people this like like white dudes you know link i i don't know anything about your background like that you know but i'm a cis white head you know i'm the top of the food chain and i am now 44 years old and guess what i 
have a lot of sway in everything I do, even though I've chosen paths that are harder for me and like don't make me rich and all that kind of thing. I had the privilege to choose that. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like I, I, I decided to do that. I'm not just like had to like carve things out in such a weird way. I just looked at the situation and needed to do better for, you know, for myself and other people, you know? And it's important to think about that when we, when we like applaud like the efforts of, um, you know, the larger companies and what they're actually doing. Um, I really get like annoyed when every thing for years, like literally until the pandemic, everything was like a, an initiative. You know, let's have like a women in games and let's have a, a, you know, black creators initiative, all this. We're well past initiatives. There's grassroots community groups doing hard work to do that stuff. Don't do an initiative. Give them the money to do the work, <laughs> you know, partner with the meaningfully, have them, you know, integrate them in a way that actually makes the structural changes, you know, but like, it's easy enough to say that. And you're probably wondering, like, why do I care about this so much in when we're here talking about video games, but to me, this is like absolutely fundamental. Like people look at the nineties with like, you know, like for the types of what first person shooters came out with this and this, but like people also forget that there was an incredible mediocrity and like sameness to so many genres because it was all being marketed to this concept of like a white kid that was like 18, you know, and drinks, you know, extreme juice you know or whatever <laughs> and uh and were dudes and they wanted to see the duke nukem characters and bikini babes and machine guns and all this stuff and you know it's like i think about the very first time i saw a game marketing like for the atari and stuff when i was like a very young kid you know they showed like a bunch of different kids always in those I don't know if you've seen that old Atari stuff, but it's like in ColecoVision, you know, it was always like, you know, boys and girls, and, you know, uh, black kids, white kids. And like, they were like, they were there because they said this was the game. This was for everyone, you know, and even the <laughs> low fidelity graphics that were there at those old days allowed a lot more kind of transference of self because there was so little information on the screen. Right. Like, you know, we had like tiny, like little pixel abstractions and spaceships and things like that. But like, it didn't matter. You could put yourself into the game. And then what happened as graphics got better and as more, it became big business and like the sports franchises brought so much money to games that like, it's actually shaped like what we expected to see, you know, or sorry, what they thought we wanted. Right. And it was always white dudes, you know, macho this doing that and talk about like alienating people that played games in the first place and making it seem like it wasn't a place for them to even make games because you know who not everybody wants to make a, characters that look like that you know uh so it's good to like sort of think about that all in the context of and how it's wild that we have games like overwatch with like you know so much public discourse and discussion and like thought going to the character designs are more i guess maybe more appropriately like something like apex legends or something like that but again that's the triple a big money commodified video game thing i'm like really excited 
when I see like, you know, um, indie games that are uh, being announced left, right, and center, you know, made by teams of very diverse teams with like, uh, you know, trans women, like, you know, driving like production studios or, you know, um, black folks basically making, you know, like not just having their ex player expression co-opted onto TikTok, reintegrated into Fortnite by as dance moves that they don't get credited for, you know, <laughs> but like term, like what they want to, uh, the stories they want to tell and how they want to be represented, you know? And it sounds like, it may sound like to you when I'm talking about this broad way that I'm talking about everyone else but me, but at the end of the day, I can put in games that feature characters that look just like me. I, I can sit here and tell you all day about all this other stuff, but I, it's nothing, a drop in the bucket, <laughs> right? Compared to like literally every other game that it, um So it's like, when people say they get tired of this, they think it's like <laughs> a really specific like lens. Well, no, or yes, it is. But like, look at how much everyone else has to swallow at the time. Yeah, yes, like I, I know I, I know I do this a lot, and I say this a lot in general, just across you know talking with a lot of people that. I, I agree. I understand. I agree. And that's not in any way meant to be dismissive. It's it's more that it's an easy way for me to acknowledge everything that's been said yeah. when I when I'm when I might not have when there might not need to be more that's been said. And you know, I right now I I I very much agree with what you're saying and I very much know where you're going and you know, there's there isn't really anything that I would say to to, to in any way, shape, or form, uh, argue anything or really um, no, I don't get that onto it. Um, I I like I, I I agree completely. You know that is one of the the wonderful things, and that's not exactly any or not exactly a thing that I personally look at and seek out. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I'm not meaning I'm you know I'm I'm against it. It's just well I have said a lot of the same things that you have said um, mm -hmm. in private conversation or, or otherwise. Um, it's just a thing that I'm not as exposed to, which is fantastic to talk to someone that's a little more exposed to it and is maybe a little more, has their hand on the vein or pulse chair, whatever the phrase to yeah, you know, yeah. is more, more into it, breathing it, whatever, what have you living it. Yeah. Um, so that's a fantastic like the way you put everything, it's very fantastic. I I don't disagree. I agree completely, and I I think you know everything you said. It does it doesn't do harm. You know, I I said this earlier about something somewhat related that you know there are other people that would would argue that and say it does again. Whatever to mm -hmm. those people, I personally don't care, um, because I I firmly believe the gates are open. Like you know, um, there's. I'm I'm 33, soon to be 34 in like two days, actually. Mm, um, happy birthday! Oh, thank you. That, by the way, that was not what I was aiming for, but thank you. Um, just the realization that I'm I'm getting old. Um, but you know, I grew up in a time where playing video games wasn't something everyone did. In fact, and I imagine you can share this in that 
you probably, the same as me, you probably got looked at weird when you wanted to just play video games. People either didn't understand Oh, it. yeah. Like, it, like, like, the funny thing is everything's in cycles, right? Like, there are times now, or, like, when when I was, yeah, like, when I was in my, like, I'd say early 20s, like, when I was, like, in art school stuff, and I was, like, you know, trying to play video games, they thought it was, like, you know, <laughs> they didn't, a lot, most of them were, like, you know, we're not kids, Henry, you know, and it's, like, well, this isn't just for kids, check this out, and then, you know, next thing you know, everyone has Dreamcast, you know, uh, yeah. but, but, yeah, go on, though, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but, yeah. No, like, no worries, <laughs> but, like, it's, it's fantastic to see now that in a time when I'm I'm being very careful with my words, just because you know uh, I'm I don't want to use the wrong words and, and offend anyone. But you know, at a time right now where uh, we have a lot of uh, uh, social um, things opening up, and I say that in the sense of more acceptance for you know uh, LGBTQ plus or, or or however you want to phrase it. Um, for for people that are transitioning or have transitioned um you know just in general all of that in a time when society is starting to grow to accept that again uh, sorry i shouldn't say again um is starting to be more accepting of that um we also have you know the gates you know need are opening there and should stay open obviously but you know i'm and i'm not trying to co-op this with what i'm about to say but i'm happy that gaming right now is something that is seen as more acceptable because like you said um you know giving people a voice uh you know uh, a diverse of voices and such allowing people that are not you know just cis white men or what cis white head or whatever the phrasing goes <laughs> um mm -hmm. but having more people that are comfortable in who they are coming into the scene whether it's just to enjoy games uh, but yes. you also have those maybe, you know, developers um, or, or creators or whatever working on projects coming from a different place as them. You know, maybe it's uh, someone that transitioned late in life and they're working on a video game and they're making a game that involves a, um, a, a, a transgendered person. I really hope I use that right. I, I'm not yeah, on transgender. Yeah, trans, transgender. Very, yeah, very happy yeah. with that. Um, but like you have someone that might make a character for that and you have someone that wants to enjoy the game, enjoy games, they might find themselves in that. And having that accessibility go as far as possible, like having the gates open as wide as possible, I think is absolutely fantastic. And, you know, it's, it's, I, I just hope that the cynical nature of um, video games, the gates opening and closing, opening and closing, it's yes. like, I hope they stay open longer yeah. or at the very least we have people that are wanting to express themselves expressing themselves in, in, a, in a safe enough way that it's not just a bunch of like you said you know the sameness of a game where you can you know you can plug a game in from the the 90s and you can just play mm -hmm. you know just another dude that's another buff dude that's out there saving chicks you know like yeah mowing stuff down right? yeah. yeah yeah exactly and like and like the thing is like that i think is worth like sort of like kind of like considering is that you know the pandemic also showed that video games hugely profitable to like the largest forces of capitalism like they out they outsell movies and other other any every other entertainment by like such a large 
margin now that I think it's not going to go away. And I think that like what I really like is that we don't have to rely on those though if they haul themselves out and splinter or have cultures that like make all their employees <laughs> flee them, you know, or uh, or all that so that we're not going to see games of that nature for a while. All that's cool because things like itch um, exist, you know, itch.io. Um, you have like, um, you know, many groups now um, that are championing, um, you know, this very stuff. I don't, I don't, I, you know, I like to think that this will like keep pushing things, um, even if things collapse around us. But, you know, it's also like weird talking about this you know, while there's a pandemic going on because, like, you know, the constant other pressure of just the rest of the world that has nothing to do with media and video games, <laughs> you know, is uh, distressing. And so, like, this is why I focus so much on people and why community development is so important. Because do you know what our community did at the beginning of the pandemic when we were still checking in with each other right away regularly and, like, doing all this stuff? We were organizing... uh food programs with local businesses to ensure that people who were at risk, really at risk and couldn't leave their house were getting food. You know, uh, we were ensuring that members that were in uh, unsafe living conditions because all of a sudden they were at home all the time with people that didn't make them feel, feel very safe, uh, you know, got moved into other places. Like that stuff is as is, is like people stuff. And that's why, we get video games because people make them, you know? And so I feel very strongly that community protects itself and it comes from a place of care actually, you know, does this and actually promotes, you know, good ideas and to become games by people who care. Again, yes, I, I agree completely with, with everything that you've been saying. And, you know, I don't, just to, to jump off of that, you know, because I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to make it seem like I'm not interested in the conversation. I don't want to No, 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 no. I, we like... talked about this, no, no, we talked about this stuff a lot, and I can, if you stop me, I go on and on, but I'm here to talk about video games. I know what <laughs> they are, honestly. <laughs> no, it's, it's perfectly fine. I'm not meaning to stop you. It's just, you said a thing that... I, 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 that's, I want to kind of ask a relate, like a follow-up relatable to that one. And, you know, you said, talked about, you know, the pandemic being stressful, obviously it is, um, you know, all of this being an incredibly stressful situation in all of that. Is there a game that, is there a comfort game, uh, that you fall back on that, you know, helps you forget that everything is you no know, arguably falling down around <laughs> us yeah and it's you know you're trying not to scream at the scholars this yeah. guy is falling sorry <laughs> yeah no 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 totally and i've got a weird thing i've learned about myself during the pandemic than i normally because here's a here's a secret that i'm sure you've heard from many guests but i'm gonna tell you anyway the more involved you are with developing video games uh in my opinion what i've seen anyway is uh the less you play them <laughs> and it's not because you don't love them but you're examining games you're checking out on them you know i buy and get given gifts of games you know like codes from people stuff all the time and like you know i check out as much as i can but like at the end of the day uh, making games is very hard 
making, you know, helping support communities that make multiple games and being involved with multiple games and people doing this stuff is also extremely challenging. So sometimes it's really hard uh, to like sit down and like relax with a game. But what I've discovered is because my earliest game memories are of Cade, my dad, um, in the 80s, like I still have a really sweet, pretty straight ahead action games um, or like things that like require a high level performance with like fairly limited player expression. Um, so to that end, my most uh, favorite comfort game is Ikaruga by Treasure. Um, by far my favorite. I think it's, I can safely say it's my favorite game. So to the point where sometimes I have to stop playing it because it's like too much, it's like too much for me, you know? Like I love it so much. Um, and I, I might like, I don't know, I might just sail off <laughs> one day and never come back, you know? Um, for those of you who haven't played Icarus, uh, it's by Treasure. It's a, it's a shmup, um, and it's got a beautiful presentation, um, but it has a really cool mechanic. Um, your ship, um, basically on top of shooting, uh, has a polarity button, so you can like sort of switch between your ship being white and black. And when you're white, you shoot white bullets, which does more damage to black ships and makes you impervious to white. And vice versa with the black. And so what the, what happens is it becomes this like dance of sailing in and out of fire by like switching your polarity, trying to kill the waves with the highest score popular uh, possible as fast as possible by using the right ammo type and fighting giant bosses. If you do a little bit more research into the game, you see that this game, which is filled with like all the you know giant boss approaching, you know all the all the you know uh, staples of the genre. Um, it's actually like um, basically based on uh, Buddhism, and um, it's really interesting. I just want to double check something here to make sure I've got something right here. So, one second here. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, and. Just want to make sure that I'm right about this. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a, it's basically like an entire kind of. I'm just gonna check. Sorry, I don't. I don't want to get my facts wrong. No worries. I'm. I'll be honest. I'm not gonna fact check either. I'll. <laughs> so if you're wrong, if you're a little wrong on something, I'm not gonna call you out on it. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So it's it's like basically. An reflection of buddhist teachings that are introduced throughout each level each of the point in the of it is uh about that and like it's super it's super cool to me because like it's not really obvious i mean at least to me as a western maybe if i was a japanese player or a buddhist i would notice this but it's sort of just integrated into like it's like the sort of like overall presentation and i find that absolutely fascinating um, but it is a shmup, a bullet hell shmup, and uh, you can play it on pretty much everything. I love playing it on PC or Switch because it has the tape mode, so you can rotate the screen vertically. So if you have a screen that's mounted uh, that you can rotate, um, or on the Switch, of course, you can just 
turn sideways. <laughs> um, you, you can play in this vertical mode, so it's like playing in the arcade. Um, just a awesome game, and I guess that I really feel good after an intense something that intense, and then like I feel really kind of relaxed. Uh, so that would be a, a probably my top comfort. So that's very interesting, and I don't mean this in a negative way when I say this. But I find it very interesting that your, you know, your unwinding game, your best comfort game, or what have you, is a bullet hell. Um, <laughs> you know, I I like shoot 'em ups. I yeah. there are very certain bullet hells that I will play with and test out. Um, so to have the what's the right word? Uh, I'm gonna go with dexterity whatever mm. um to have the dexterity to navigate that and also walk away relaxed is absolutely fantastic to hear um, <laughs> well, that you're I, able to do that i think the problem is is that if i go day and go slow pace um it, it it tends to like put me to sleep and i don't mean because i find boring games like i love narrative games i love adventure like like traditional old school adventure games, you know. Um, I also find like a lot of contemporary play. I'm over the holidays. I was playing. Uh, I've been playing um, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart um, on the PlayStation Five, and it's like so beautiful. <laughs> it looks like a a Pixar cartoon, but it's also like has so many buttons <laughs> and so many combos and many things going on that even though like my game literacy is very high, and I'm like. I do think it's hilariously like overwrought, you know, like in every possible way. And even though I'm enjoying the game, it just, you know, there's like, yeah, I've got some weapons I can map the D-pad buttons, you know, and there's like a radial button button where I can select all the other weapons that I have, and then they all have different modes based on if you squeeze half the trigger or the whole trigger. And it's like, it, let's see, not only can I jump and shoot in a twin stick fashion. But I can also turn on my jet boots and go fast, which is different from hovering when I jump over something, which is different again from my shadow death move, right? You know, and you're kind of like, or phase, or whatever it's called, you know, it's it's like kind of like leap that you go off to the side fast and some sort. And I can do all of those things. Oh, and also hit things with my wrench. And then I can also aim and target something far away and throw my wrench with different combination buttons. And like the amount of player expression is, but it's also like just incredibly you couple that with like these retrace graphics going around constantly a shower of running around you the set pieces integrated seamlessly with like it's like it's ridiculous and you know i find that actually not as uh relaxing even though it's super intense it's like i don't have the interface that is closest to me i you know the the man machine interface like i some older games like with shmups and things where it's like brain eyes reaction <laughs> you know like that's 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 what you got and i guess after an, my days are generally fairly intense and so i kind of like ramp down with like a spike of intensity and then it's like okay and you know that that makes perfect sense i understand what you're saying there you know the the kind of you know uh stress test yourself i guess and then you know walk away feeling relieved and at the same time i definitely understand the the feeling of being overwhelmed by 
everything that's in front of you, have everything you have to juggle, uh, whether or not it's everything you have to juggle in terms of buttons to push or just the options available to you. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And if you're not in the right mood for that, I you know I fully understand that that's can be mentally exhausting and not relaxing all of the time. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What about you? What do you What do you do? Do you is there one that yeah I need to know? Um. Well, comfort games. I I don't exactly have a comfort game right now. It's very difficult for me to pick a game and stick to it. Uh, in terms of you know one I'm gonna go back to. Uh, you know, if if in terms of games that I can play and always enjoy and always find relaxing due to positive nostalgic memories and such, um, you know, Mario Brothers Three, for example, is mm. a fantastic game for me for that. Uh, however, just recently, I actually um, beat Webbed, um, a game made by Sbug Studios, I believe, uh, where you play as a spider, a little jumping spider that is trying to find. Or trying to rescue her um, spider husband or what have you. And mm-hmm. it is, the, the best way I can put it, it is a wonderfully absurd game with very relaxing gameplay. There's There really isn't enemies that you have to kill. There's some puzzle platforming, stuff like that. But mm-hmm. for the most, um, the gameplay is you just shooting a web, flying, you know, webbing, web swinging around. Um, Wall crawler. Yeah, well, no, not even. You don't even get to wall crawl. You just get to web around um, and, like, you know, do little quests. And one of those quests, for example, is helping uh, some ants create a giant mecha ant. um, (laughs) So they'll help you. And it's, you know, it's literally a giant mecha ant. um, Or collecting pollen so that way a a a nearby beehive can, you know, have enough to send their queen off. Or... um, go talk to the dung beetles to get some fuel which involves you um you know bringing it down the mountain also you can build a hot air balloon with everyone's help effectively uh to go higher than you'd be able to get otherwise to to rescue your spider husband or spider boyfriend or what have you um all while being able to you know little other things like finding some other spiders or collecting stickers which turn your appearance different or let you wear a hat um and shoot lasers out of your eyes and also sometimes skateboard <laughs> what's one um, more time what's the name of it uh, it's called webbed webbed all right i'm gonna um, look into it it's i enjoyed it immensely uh, you know it's it's i don't want to you know it's a relatively short game it's so you can beat it over one or two seating uh, settings or seatings if you want um mm-hmm. but it's just absolutely fantastic oh in yeah how absurd some of it can be um you know the end of the game i was streaming it with some friends uh you know they were watching me play it on discord and it was one of those things where you know just saying it some people did not understand it didn't really like it and then they start watching it and they realize how fantastic it is and the sheer absurdity of the ending which i'm not going to spoil because it's you have to experience it for yourself um everyone was at that point on board with the game as they should because not like it was a fantastically done little game uh you know the 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 intelligence and coding behind just making webs for one thing is absolutely mind-blowing um that they worked that out because you can actually make a full proper web if you want um uh and such but just the 
the the the enjoyability of it itself was just fantastic and relaxing um so yeah so recently i played that and that was a fantastic comfort game just because of um you know it's focus not being on getting out there and you know jumping on other bugs or zapping other bugs or what have you yeah but largely just being a little puzzle platformer or just uh not even puzzle but you know navigating around and doing things and it felt incredibly fun and you know if you want and, a relaxing game i'd recommend it well what you're talking about is like one of my favorite sort of aspects of games you know um you're sort of saying like you know what makes a game that is like uh what's the word like you know what makes a game enjoyable for you right i think yeah, is a question that you were sort of touching on earlier and like I love when the aesthetic and the art direction and the mechanics are so intermeshed, right? The way you describe, right? To me, that is like my favorite way of seeing games come together, where like there's such a kind of like a, a connection between, you know, I look, I was just looking at web, you know, the, watching the spider and its pieces and how the animations work and you know how that plays into the playfulness of the game, the web mechanic like just fits in with the gameplay so well and it's a feel thing it's really hard to you know uh kind of like quantify like i you know i'm really impressed with games like uh you know uh assassin's creed valhalla right like it's like like technically just incredible what it does but it also looks uh for lack of a better word like it's like it's realism kind of like is boring <laughs> you know like it's like it's like absolutely stunning their irish dlc or something like that i can't remember what it's called you look out and like like the sky like the the the, the weather patterns and like the ocean and like everything is so like 100 like like the uh the skies and like the the way the ocean and waves moved against like the rock formations like this is like no small amount of money was put into like studying and ensuring this stuff was correct right and it's beautiful in this like realism kind of way right but as soon as we get to like um you know when i compare that to something with like far less you know um uh, a game that came out in the last couple of years that i really like is um heaven's vault you know and it has like this amazing like aesthetic that combines kind of like hand-drawn illustration and storybook kind of like uh kind of like feeling but like with like a traditional when i say traditional like a 80s or 90s like point click adventure game and like there's this like this weird thing where to create all these dynamic things to keep the expressive drawings and stuff in you know know, kind of like not spend all this time making leg animation just to have things walk around you know they kind of people's lower extremities kind of fade into nothing in fact it's sort of eerie but it also sort of like ties into the story as you keep going into like, you know, the cyclical nature of the the universe that was created there. Uh, or like how, you know, robots often have feet that you can see um, and like aren't fading away that way. But like actually like plays into the hierarchy of the game uh, story later on. It, it It's really cool when that stuff happens. And that's like not an action game. That's like a, a narrative game. But like when it in any genre as soon as you do that i find that stuff super exciting and enjoyable 
yeah and you know i i understand what you're saying and yeah i i i agree you know it's it's what's one of the things i like about you know a lot of indie games where thematically or where they might tie you know the game to a thematic purpose and you know it's it's different in a fantastic way than you know being able to look out like you said in, in assassin's creed and oh wow this looks perfect it looks like you know they spent you know untold amounts of money to make sure everything was <laughs> as mm-hmm. accurate as possible but you know sometimes a game that's heavily tied into the theme of things and everything just is so cohesive you know it's just as great right it's you don't get bored on a yeah heavily themed yeah. game or like when your brain like fills in the gaps this is why i was talking atari games and retro games and some of my best memories are still old games despite like spending many much more time in older age on like uh on more modern games you know um but like the those gaps are so important you know they add to the for at least for me they they like they reinforce the memory they make you work harder to remember you know some of these adventures you know uh games from when i was a kid that i love you know i was lucky enough to like have an experience across a pretty wide variety of platforms like so like my first computer was like a trash and interestingly enough that uh this guy named ken cowlish um who has uh has published a game through computerware called starship chameleon and it's like a proto ikaruga uh i played it kid it was like a ship flying around and there were aliens at the top that were um dropping colored bombs and you would switch between red and yellow and like you could absorb those bombs or no sorry yellow and green and then occasionally red smart bombs would fall and those could you couldn't block those you had to avoid those and like it's like it's not ikaruga but it's like similar you know <laughs> it has some of these ideas but like in my mind is how to like everything was it didn't matter it felt like the most immersive thing in the world you know uh I, you know uh yeah I, you know i could go on like on the ColecoVision cabbage patch adventures you know like it was hilarious to me like i was like like it was cabbage patch kids and like but it didn't matter they were on this adventure that was way more epic than any side-scrolling adventure we were a little bit uh away from from you know super mario brothers <laughs> but it it had like you know pitfall like screens that you would sort of go through and just like endless amounts of charm and you know what what was being thrown at you in terms of environmental hazards and stuff like that it felt like a real adventure you know um thinking of some other uh games when i was a kid that uh um, oh in the arcade uh legend of kage um would by taito was like the badass martial art arcade game i mean you could sail through the air and ninjas would throw you know ninja stars at you and you push your dagger button you would sweep your arm in a beautiful arc and it would deflect the ninja star and like you know this was what 80 once 86 87 something like that that blew my mind you know i was 10 years old and going what you could block that shot uh it was amazing and uh getting to like all sorts of like like high flying jumping up into trees that were scrolling a hundred felt like a hundred screens tall uh it was amazing um so like all these things though like they all the thing that they have in common though the connection between the aesthetics and that gameplay was so tight that you never felt like um 
you never felt like one thing like they were just slapping text over the texting request to tell you you know what was happening it it felt like a storybook or like an immersive storybook you know in starship chameleon you know it was fast and the mechanic responded to you so like it felt like you were right there in cabbage patch same thing i talked about that with legend of kage and you know all these things uh really really had that link that that special sort of like sauce where it all just came together yeah and you know i i i already said i i absolutely love games that you know thematically they can find what they need to do and be cohesive right because that's you know that's you're always going to enjoy something that tells a very clear story in you know the gameplay the 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 aesthetic the everything right you're not going to be a ninja fighting in you know new york city that'll just feel awkward right um very very blunt example there but forgive me on that <laughs> i see you have uh, some strong opinions on <laughs> <laughs> oh that was unintentionally meant targeted targeted at anything if it yeah no i i'm, I'm teasing you i know okay. i just think it's funny yeah. Now, Henry, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I do, you know, as much as I've enjoyed talking with you, I don't want to steal you away <laughs> for, you know, the entire day. Um, so, you know, if there if there was anything else that you wanted to discuss, you know, a, a cool game, what you're doing, or something you feel more people should be aware of, um, by all means, uh, you know, the floor is yours. As well, please let everyone know where they can find more information about you, uh, which will also include in the episode descriptions. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I've really enjoyed our conversation. We got to touch on, you know, things that are really near and dear to my heart, things that are actual, I find, you know, actual hardships that the industry is facing, both locally and, uh, you know, across the board. Um, and we got to talk about, like, you know, things that make games, you know, great that, you know, transcend um, uh, time and uh, technology, you know, and, I, you know, we're talking about some older games and stuff like that. Um, I'll say that um, two games from 2021 that I think everyone should play, um, I think should play XO1, which is on Game Pass. Um, I think actually both these games are on Game Pass, XO1 and Full Escape, two very different games, really wonderful kind of stuff. Um, I desperately want to tell you about games that my community are making right now, but I can't, not yet um but maybe there'll be a chance to do a follow-up with you or get some of those um in the coming year uh but really 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 cool stuff um if you haven't already also check out christine loves um get in the car loser it's a pretty amazing jrpg-esque game that she created um wrote and programmed and worked with some great artists on uh, it's free, and the DLC is um, uh, paid and has a spicy swimsuit uh, proportion each episode, shall we say. So uh, <laughs> check it out. Um, awesome, awesome stuff. But generally, I just want to thank you and uh, and for doing what you're doing and like you know keeping questions going. Um, you can find me on Twitter um, at Henry Faber. That's H-E-N-R-Y-F-A-V-E-R. Um, you can find out what's going on with Gamma Space um, at Gamma Space TO on Twitter and at Gamma Space dot C-A. Um, wait, 
we don't have gammaspace.ca, do we? What do I No, do? you do, actually. Gammaspace.ca is, is, oh, yeah. is okay. the one I, I'm looking at no, right now. That's actually. the one. I got confused for a moment, yeah. Um, there's nothing, not a whole lot of updates there, um, but I suspect that you'll see more of that soon. And I also want to plug one other thing for anyone who's listening, um, and that is uh, uh, my partner and her partner, Eileen, uh, so my partner in all things and wife, Jenny Robinson Faber, uh, and her partner, Eileen Loca, uh, have launched a fund. Um, you can find it at weirdghosts.ca. This fund is pretty exciting. Um, it's basically, uh, uh, it's an impact fund for students by underrepresented founders across Canada. And they're giving away serious money to like everything from concept to growing to early stage studios. So it's not just about the games though, it's about what the studio is doing, who's running them, what the uh, structure is like, you know, ensuring there's like healthy uh, and exciting, you know, opportunities for um, uh, traditionally underfunded and underrepresented founders to like do, build amazing companies, build amazing studios so that it's not just a one and done game. Um, so if any of your listeners fall into that category or just interested, uh, check out weirdghost.ca. Something cool that Gamma Space is about to do with them is some of the people in one of their programs will be becoming Gamma Space members and will be mentored um, through the creation of their initial demo or pitch um, for studios. And uh, they get paid uh, to do this by Weird Ghost through the fund uh, in our community supports them and helps them with all the members that you know can bring experience on production or anything like that uh but also uh you know share their progress and uh and have a community to reach out to that isn't necessarily the entire world or something they have to manage on a school whatever so uh yeah that's what i'd like to part with and you know thank you for for for, you know the recommendations and sharing that i'll definitely include that in the episode description and i think um you know the what you what you've said high level there for for what uh, your wife and you know her partner and for through weird ghost uh is trying to do i think that's absolutely fantastic um you know i i don't mean this in any way negative um i i wish the best of luck and success for that as well as for gamma space obviously because Thank you know you. i i think uh, both of these, both of those things that you, you know, what you work with and that as well are both um, absolutely fantastic um, things to try and try and do and promote. Um, so, you know, in, in, as well as for, for your members as well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm from, I'm from Canada, I'm Canadian, I'm from Ontario. I love to hear and see and know that, um, that, you know, the, the, the scene is, is strong. And like you said, it's, you know, a little, not not one scene, but you know what I mean. So it's it's. Mm -hmm. I hope that everyone that you know that you work with and you know everything. I hope for the best for everyone, especially in this uh, pandemic time when it's just you know trying to do your best and hope the sky's not actually falling. You know. Agreed. Agreed. Thank you for all your support and yeah, like stay in touch. Yeah, definitely. And again, Henry, uh, you know the pleasure was all mine. Um, you know, I'll, I'll do my best to make sure those links are in the description. People can find you. Uh, yeah. So, you know, thanks so much. Thanks. And, uh, yeah, take care, Link. Thanks. Sir. Like really, like, I really appreciate you doing this kind of stuff. It's great. The people you've had on, you know, and, uh, it really makes me feel like, uh, you know, there's good people doing stuff. 
thank you very much that thank you for your very kind words it's it's um you know i yeah thank you is the best i can really say and thanks again henry for making time to have this conversation with me and thank you for joining us on the red tunic podcast and a special thanks to ronald jenkins for the use of music from the title track from roadsteep and if you like this podcast and want to support it and help it grow, please subscribe or follow me on Twitter at Red Tunic Podcast to receive the latest episodes and news, and be sure to share it with those you think might also enjoy it. Thanks, and until next time.